God we serve. Hallelujah. Can you ask those people in the hallway to, this is not a movie. Tell them to come on in, please. Praise the Lord. Think they out there buying popcorn. This is, this is worship. Worship, worship. 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 And nobody should be at those tables. Come on, come on in. Bless the Lord. This morning on Mother's Day, we salute all mothers for their hard work. And I mean hard. And their sacrificial service to their families. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1, and I want to look at verse 2. Verse 2, when you get 1 Samuel chapter 1, say amen. Verse 2, and then I'm going to read verse 6. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, the name of the other Penny. Peniah, Peniah had children, but Hannah had no children. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. This morning, I want to deal with a woman of worship. A woman of worship. Motherhood is a calling which requires a cost, an unusual commitment of care, comfort, compassion, and counseling. Mothers help to heal their children's cuts, help them with their confusion, and highlight their confidences. It has been said that little children pull on the hands of their mother, but older children pull on the hearts of their mother. Mothers are developers, defenders, disciplers as they nurture to the needs of their children. Let me let me pause. I I in retrospect thank God that I had a mother who Amen. Didn't play with me. Too many mothers are trying to be their children's friend. There's time for your child to be your friend. 
you can't raise a child and be their friend. There ought to be a line of demarcation. Amen. Separation. Where respect must be in order. Yeah. That <clears throat> I don't know how many times I heard there's nobody in here your age. And and unlike today, we didn't get involved with certain things. We watch television and hear and see these families who discuss everything and make decisions together. Well, I, I don't think that's biblical. I really don't. I don't I don't believe that's biblical. I think that um Amen. <clears throat> I think the Bible supports an oversight of parents to their children. You don't raise your children asking them how they want to be raised. Yeah, I, I just uh, maybe maybe I'm old and antiquated, but while growing up with six kids. There was a curfew on the house, and in my house, there was a curfew on the refrigerator. That's tight, isn't it? There was no McDonald's or Geno's or Kentucky Fry. If you didn't like what mom fixed, you weren't hungry. Do I have a witness? And if you're in the kitchen cooking for four different kids, something's wrong with that picture. I, I just, yeah, it's tight. My God. But as I look at this woman, Hannah, whose name means grace, was the mother of Samuel, one of the greatest prophets Israel ever knew, he anointed King Saul. He anointed King David. Um, and, and even came back from the dead to rebuke Saul in 1 Samuel. Samuel was a great prophet, but Samuel had a great mother. Amen. And Hannah will always be one of the favorites within our faith. We'll see her highlighted as a mother of trust, a mother of truth, and a mother of triumph. I want to look at this narrative. It's very, very interesting. And back in the historical part of Israel's makeup, that um, this book, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, comes on the heels of the Book of Ruth. And when we look at this woman, I, I I tend to see, and I want you to see the same thing, something that's very, very interesting. That first, she is a mother of trust. 
that the Bible tells us, trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thine own understanding, all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall bring it to pass, that trust is the antithesis of trying. And a whole lot of people that are trying and keep failing will learn how to trust. Yeah. That, that this woman, this woman, this woman, verses 1 to 11, she, Hannah's pain led her to pray. She's a praying mother who's full of pain. Now let me stop, pause, and park because God has two ways of dealing with your problems and mine. He can either move the mountain out of the way. Amen. So that you have no obstacle in front of you. However, that's not the norm. That's the exception. That when God moves a mountain, it's because by his own personal will, he chooses to move your obstacle, your problem completely out of the way and to give you free reign without opposition. The norm is that God does not move the mountain. He makes us climb the mountain. And as we have to climb that proverbial mountain, amen, when we hit the summit of the mountain, we have been transformed into his image. By the time we climb our mountains, we will be humble, we will be clean, and we will be teachable. When we see God at the top of that mountain, we're ready to move on. Can I get a witness? So one of the things I want to say is that God does not always move our mountains. God will make us climb these mountains by faith. He wants us to experience, yeah, certain things that we will need in order to praise his name. Amen. And and, and so here, Hannah... Uh, if ever there was a trouble that led to a trust in Almighty God, it's here in the story of Hannah. She had deep distress. She had difficulty and discouragement. She had pain and problems. She had anger and a negative atmosphere. She was bitter and bothered. Can I get a witness? Broken and brittle. Uh, uh, how do you pray through your pain? Her husband, Elkanah, had two wives. Now, let me stop because I dealt with this this morning. I like believing that I need to exegete the passage. God has never agreed with polygamy. Never has he agreed with polygamy, nor the doctrine of concubines. Everywhere in the Bible where a man had two wives or concubines, it was followed by mass trouble. It was followed by confusion and a home that was wrecked. In every situation, David had 13 wives. David went to his grave, amen, with his heart broken. Solomon was out of the question. He had 700. 700 wives, 300 concubines. Are you praying with me? 
Every place in Scripture, God says, that was never my will. Even Jesus said, from the beginning, it was never so. Can I get a witness? So, 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 so when you're in the Old Testament and you read that somebody had more than one wives, the husbands today ought not to feel cheated. They ought to understand that those people paid a significant price for going against the will of God. Can I get a witness? I just thought I'd throw that in there parenthetically that uh, he had two wives. Now listen to this. One was named Hannah, which means grace. The other, Peninnah, which means ruby. All of your rubies may appear as a benefit, but only grace is a true blessing. And what blows my mind is that in the Old Testament, there are three sets of women who God providentially blocked their wombs from having children. He, pro- he Listen, he prohibited them from having children only to make them climb that mountain and when they reached the mountain, he opened up their womb. Do I have a witness? The first was Sarah, Genesis 16, and Hagar. Sarah's womb was dead, could not have children, so the 19-year-old Egyptian handmaid Hagar had a child named Ishmael. 14 years later, Sarah, in her old age, had Isaac, which means laughter because she laughed at God. Can I get a witness? That was the first set of women. One was barren, the other gave birth. And then the second is Rachel, Amen, and Leah, two sisters. And Jacob worked 21 years for the rights to Rachel. Wait a minute, let's, let's stop. 21 years just for the rights to Rachel. Just going, I love you. 21 years. Just, just for the rights. But Rachel's womb was barren. Rachel couldn't have children. And Leah was popping children out left and right. Between Zilpah, Bilhah, handmaids, concubines, and Leah, 10 of the 12 tribes were born. So Rachel comes along later and God touches her womb and she has Benjamin and Joseph to make the 12 tribes of Israel. And the third and final set is here in our text, Hannah and Peniah. Are you with me? That when we look at this woman called Hannah, amen, we are challenged in verse 7, amen, because verse 6 says, that this other woman is her adversary. She provoked her. She teased her. She made fun of her because the Lord had shut up what? Her womb. And the Bible lets us know in verse 7, pay attention to the, uh, to the adjectives, it, it says, amen, that she wept, she, she, she didn't eat, she was provoked, 
uh, pay, pay attention to verse 8. She wept. Amen. She didn't eat. She was, her heart was grieved. This woman is in bitterness of soul. And she stands at Shiloh. Amen. And begins to pray. Beginning in verse 9. Now, her prayer came down to two words. And those two words are, Lord, remember me. Whenever you hear remember me, what's wiped away is the fact that you deserve a blessing. What's wiped away when you hear remember me is that God owes you something. What's wiped away is that you're worthy of his blessings. She said, remember me like Samson said, remember me in Judges 16, 28. Don't turn when he had lived his entire life out of the will of God. And then as he was coming down towards his death, Amen. His hair was cut. Somebody said he went to the wrong barbershop. <laughs> and they blinded him. He was helpless. They stood him between two pillars of the Philistines' temple and they mocked him. Samson realized that his life was coming to an end. But he also realized between them two pillars that his strength was coming back. Sometimes God won't restore our strength till we know in ourselves we're coming to an end. And what Samson prayed to God was, Lord, remember me. And the Bible says God gave him the strength and he pulled down, amen, all of the pillars on the Philippians and killed them all. And then all of us know about that malefactor, the thief who was next to Jesus on the cross. There were two. One believed, one did not believe. And the one that believed said, Lord, I believe you are the son of God. When you come into your kingdom, Remember me. What a, what, a, what a story. Jesus said, this day you shall be with me in paradise. And I, I believe that's what the psalmist meant in Psalm 61 when he said, listen to this, because she prayed in her pain. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. She prayed in her pain. She prayed from her hurt. She was grieved. She prayed from her heart. She groaned. She prayed towards her hope. She had grace. You didn't get this. See, don't keep going to God stuck in gear with your hurts. 
Don't keep getting on your knees every day telling God how hurt you are. He's been hearing that for 30 years. Can I get a witness? But you and I need to not only pray in our hurt, but pray from our heart, and then we need to pray towards our hope. Lord, in the name of Jesus, my children are wayward. I did bring them up in your nurture and admonition. They all out in the street, but God, I'm looking to the future. When you can't talk to the person about Jesus, then talk to Jesus about the person. I'm putting them in your hands. I'm putting their marriage in your hands. I'm, I'm putting their mind in your hands. I do I have a witness? You got to learn to go to God with some hope. Songwriter said, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. It reminds me of a woman, and this will be a true story, an old woman was in Philly and she was in the hospital dying. All the kids came around the bed. And I don't know if it was five or six kids. They said most of them were out in the streets in the drugs and, 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 and all that. And she, she about to leave there. And she looked at all her kids and said, I, I want all of y'all to know that I'm, I'm getting ready to leave, but I will see you in heaven. And the kids began to look at each other mystified because they knew what kind of lifestyles they were living. I do have a witness. See, she spoke in hope. She spoke towards the future. I do have a witness. She, yeah, she, she spoke in faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Mothers, you got to pray in faith. You got to call things in hope. You got to call things as though they already were. You can't be sitting around here looking at things and, and saying it's terrible. No, no. My God is an awesome God. My God is able to do far exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. My God is all wise. My God can change something in a micro minute. My God can turn things around. My God can raise things up. My God, my God, my God, my God, he's able. Yes, he's able. If he called you out of darkness, he can call them out of darkness. If he called you out of hell, he can call them out of hell. Can I get a witness? That's what makes him God. He can do the impossible. Isn't that right? So she prayed in her hurt from her heart, but she prayed in hope. Can I get a witness? And mothers, you got to pray in hope. You got to keep on praying. When you don't see it, keep on praying. When you can't imagine it, keep on praying. When you don't understand it, keep on praying. Can I get a witness? You got to pray until you move obstacles out of the way. Hannah was a woman of trust. She prayed in her pain. My God, what a painful situation this was. And I know almost every mother sitting on the sound of my voice has been in pain. Can I get a witness? Yeah. 
we wonder why the tests, when we try to do our best, we understand it better by and by. Let me, let, me, let me throw this at you to encourage you. Every obstacle you and I go through is placed in front of us for a testimony later on. Can I get a witness? Every test, every obstacle, every mountain, every hurt, every pain is placed there in front of you. Can I get a witness? But somewhere in the future, when you look back, and you're going to look back, can I get a witness? You're not going to praise the pastor. You're not going to praise the musicians. You're not going to praise the choir. You're going to praise him. Can I get a witness? You're going to praise Jesus for drawing you out. Can I get a witness? See, what keeps messing me up is not the present nor the future. What keeps messing me up is how good God has been from my past. That's what keeps messing me up. What, what keeps me going for Jesus is that when I look back, I wish I had a witness. All the confusion, all the mess that was in my life, and the Lord bought me out. Can I get a witness? He led me across my Red Sea. He opened up the waters. He had me running on dry land. Can I get a witness? Hey, amen. Some of us are sitting here today, we are borrowed time. You should have been dead. You should have been snuffed out. Can I get a witness? You put something up your nose that could have killed you. You put something in your mouth that could have killed you. You was in wrong company. You should have been in jail. Yeah, amen. You didn't get caught. Oh, I'm preaching now. You didn't get caught in some of the things you did. So don't sit up here like you all pretty and amen, innocent. You ain't innocent. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And let the redeemed of the Lord say so. She prayed in her pain. Thank you, Jesus. We got to learn to pray in our pain. Remember me. I'm struggling, Lord. I can't make it another. Lord, I need you. I need you to show up. I need you to do something. I need you to take over. I need, I need you, Lord, to pave the payment for me. I need you to uh, lift me up and take me, Lord. I, I can't do this thing on my own. I'm tired of trying, but now I'm, I'm willing to trust you. Can I get a witness? Lord, I need you to fix this fracture for me. Don't we have some fractures? Aren't we a fractured people? Yes, we are. We messed up. Can I get a witness? Hannah prayed in her pain. Secondly, Hannah petitioned God in his promises. Our petitions to God, my God, are interesting because if we look at this text, verse 15 and 16, we see the problem. Look at 15, and Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord. She talked to Eli, the priest. He must have thought that she was like his sons, sons of Belial, who got drunk at the altar. Yeah, 
<laughs> she said, no, I'm not drunken. I, 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 I have not put wine or strong drink in my mouth. Are y'all getting this? Yeah. Here's her problem in verse 15. She's fractured. Hannah is wounded. Hannah has a sorrowful spirit. Verse 15. You see that? Now, now let's stop. Let's stop because we read too fast. What does it mean to have a sorrowful spirit? It means you are impacting you. You are impacting you. And yet, the yous that are being impacted by you always trying to blame someone else for you. We doing some surgery up in here now, though. We doing surgery. Listen to this. Most of your problems and my problems are from our past pains. Let me, let me throw that out again. Most of our problems are from past pains. So when you try to blame the pastor for your pain, you didn't even know me when this stuff was happening. You, you, you joined the church mess up. You came up the aisle like this. You, you just, just, as, just as crazy as a, as a beanbag. You know, we love you. I'm not in your history. The person sitting next to you is not in your history. Some of your wives and husbands are not in your history. I'm preaching up in his place. Your history of hurts have wounded you so much that you have a sorrowful spirit. I was saying this morning, there are five stages to grief, whether it's divorce or death, anything that causes a lot of pain, five stages. The first stage, and some of us stay in this stage for 30 years, the first stage is denial. We've been, some of us have been in denial for 40 years. Well, what do you think? And, and you, know, you know, you pay $100 an hour to sit in front of a counselor. They've gone to school for 15, 16 years, and all they've trained them to do is say, and how does that make you feel? <laughs> you, uh, uh, excuse me. Been there, done that. You know why they keep asking you, and how does that make you feel? They don't say, how does that make the pastor feel? They say, how does that make you feel? Because they know the problem is in you. And they trying to get you, Lord have mercy, to pick up your binoculars and focus on you. Are y'all getting this? Denial is the first level. 
As long as you're sitting there, I don't have a problem. It's not me. I, I try to treat everybody right, but nobody likes me. Let me get my violin out. I'm right and everybody else is wrong. I know the real problem. Nobody else has picked it up. That's a victim. That's a victim. I have yet to hear out of certain people's mouths, Pastor, this one's on me. I ain't heard that. I say it every Sunday. I'm messed up. I'm wounded. I, I got stuff. I got issues. I need help. I need grace. I need mercy. I need peace. I need healing. But some of y'all will not even bring yourself to that point. You think your stuff stinks or don't stink. Can I get a witness? And you're full of it. Because the worst thing to do is to go through life and be in denial of yourself. Because once you get the key to yourself, everything else is going to get healed. Once you understand that part, most of the problem is me, all your relationships with others are, are solved. Are you getting this? Don't get quiet now. So denial is the first base, and then anger is the second. Now, anger doesn't mean you're walking around laying everybody out. That's not anger. You know, passive-aggressive people have an anger that's, that's hidden. They don't get angry. They get even. Here's how I get even with you. I procrastinate. I just take my time. I heard you a long time ago. I act like I didn't hear you. I'm stubborn. I'm rebellious. All that's anger. I got a problem with authority. All that's anger. Your mom and dad ticked you off. Don't come bring it up in here. All that's anger. But we don't see it as anger. See, anger to us is you grabbing something, throwing it across the room. That ain't anger. That's rage. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. The fact that you and I are stubborn is a form of anger. Remember the little boy in the back of the car? Sit down. No. Then you sit down. He sits down, but in his mind, look, no. He's still standing up in his mind. Denial, anger, guilt. When you are guilty of something you did in the past, whether it's real or imagined, you can never feel healthy about yourself. The one thing that God gave me clearance on when I got saved, as much mess as I lived in, that I was not guilty because of his blood. Whom the Son had set free is free indeed. I, I really don't care what you think. 
The Lord freed me. The Lord saved me. The Lord died for me. The Lord was buried for me. The Lord rose for me. The Lord shed his blood for me. A whole lot of folk in church with a bunch of guilt. That's what Jesus did in John chapter 8 with the woman. Remember the woman caught in the act of adultery? Her problem was she was walking around with a spirit of guilt, although she, was, she, was, she, she had been caught in the act. But look what Jesus did. Jesus said, woman, where are those thine accusers? After all the men left, have no man accused thee. Here's what she said. No man, Lord. And look what he said. Neither do I. He, he released her from her guilt. Some of us need to be released from our guilt. But then he told the woman, now go and sin no more. What does that mean? This is therapy. He was saying to this woman, the one reason you kept returning to the scene of the crime is because you was filled with guilt. I have released you of guilt. Now, you don't have to go back to the crime. Are y'all getting this? Y'all getting quiet up in here. This is therapeutic. $100 an hour, leave you $100 at the door. Denial, anger, guilt, grief. And the fifth and last step that I'm on my way to healing is acceptance. Here's where we keep stumbling. I need to accept that I'm messed up. I need to accept that I need healing. I need to accept that I need help. I need to stop making excuses for my condition. Here's a key that Hannah accepted. This hole in her heart. I want you to see this. First of all, and, and look, 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 that's only the problem. Now, I read the, you know, I read, I read, I read books on different things like personality traits and uh, body language. I read two books on body language. So I pay attention to people's body language. You can lie all you want. I just keep watching. Yeah. And one, one, one of the traits of body language is that when, when you're talking to people, looking them in the eye, and they keep, their eyes keep shifting, they lie. And then folk right in church, you say, hey, you know. Now, some of y'all are good liars. You can look them right now. <laughs> Keep lying. But the fact of the matter is, is that, uh, or, or you overly protective of your family. That spells lie. How's the family? All of them good. All of them good. They're good. They're good. They're great. Thank God for them. They're good for them. Well, ask me. I'll say, well, they, they all right. I'm praying for them. When you are overly protective 
of what's dear to you, something's wrong. There's some people got to get in public and always hug and kiss in front of everybody. Something's wrong with that, though. That ain't going on at home. No, I'm dead serious. Every time you see them, they... And it's usually the woman in front of the man pulling him, yes, dear, here I come. Deep. Deep. Will all men please stand? No, no, sorry. All men please And the wife sitting there, you better not stand. Sit down. I told one lady in the church, I said, you ought to be married to me. She said, I ain't fun with you, Pastor. You got control issues, baby. And the poor man, he's struggling. Because he's scared of you. <laughs> she moves from her problems to peace. Look at verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that you have asked of him. And look what she says in verse 18. Let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. See, the grace is all right, I've talked about the problem. You've talked about the peace. Now I'm going to talk about the petition. The petition is that if God lends me a male child, lend, I'm going to give it back to him. Lord have mercy. I'm going to wean the baby, take him up to Shiloh and Drop him off so the Lord can use him. Y'all ain't getting this. I'm coming in for landing. Look at pastor and listen. You and I own nothing. You know what the problem in the church? We think we own. Well, I worked for this degree. I work every day for my paycheck. You don't own nothing. God, every morning, God's waking you up with the next breath. Do I have a witness? Every day, God is watching over your children with his grace. You keep walking around like you in control. The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness, that means everything in it, thereof, and all that dwells therein. So if God owns everything, and we own nothing, then we have to learn the principle that Hannah understood that whatever God gives me, I need to give it back to him. Oh, I'm preaching now, God. That's true stewardship. So my three kids belong to the Lord. 
They don't belong to me. They are an heritage of the Lord. That's how parents got to view their children. They belong to the Lord. This principle deals with giving glory and guidance. See, here's the thing about preaching and pastoring and being the leader of God's people. God wants to know at the end of the day, can he trust you with his glory? Because there are some preachers, they want the, they're, like, they're like Lucifer. They want the glory. They want you to like them. You ain't heard nothing about Jesus. Our job is to preach and teach and live and duck and get out the way. That's our job. Our job is not for you to pat me on the back. Our job is for you to praise him. So I got to get out the way so you can praise him. Can I get a witness? Jesus said, I will share my glory with no man. So, Kent, when somebody gets up and sings a solo and slays the church, they don't just go and wipe their brow and sit down like they did something. They make sure the congregation knows that it was all Jesus. Can I get a witness? It was Jesus that enabled me to sing. It was Jesus that snatched me out of hell. It was Jesus that allowed me to be here this morning. In fact, it was Jesus that made the song sound good. Can I get a witness? And when you keep giving him the praise and giving him the glory and giving him the honor and giving him the adoration, then the Lord loops around and whatever you need, he's there. Whatever comes up, he takes care of. Can I get a witness? Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God that leads to salvation. That's why I say Jesus so much. People think, that, that, that's, that's not something I just make up. That's real. Jesus. You know that? Jesus. Gee, you know why? Because I want folk to know I had nothing to do with this. Can I get a witness? Because where the Lord found me and how the Lord saved me and what the Lord has been doing in me, I had nothing to do with. It's all him and none of me. Can I get a witness? It, it's, it's all him and none of me. It's all him and none of me. It's all him and none of me. Here's my final point on Hannah. She prayed in her pain. That was a trust. She gave God's petition according to his promise. That's a truth. But Hannah promoted God. That's the triumph. My God. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. Are you with me? We're coming there for land. And Hannah, uh, in fact, go up to verse 38, 
28, chapter 1, so you can see that. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord with the Nazarite vow, number 6. John the Baptist was a Nazarite. Uh, Samson was a Nazarite. Don't touch the hair. They are set apart for the Lord and for the Lord only. And he worshiped the Lord there. And Hannah, here it is, chapter 2, verse 1, prayed. Now watch how her prayers are transformed. This is exegetical preaching. Watch how her prayers are transformed. First, she was praying in bitterness for a blessing, right? She was praying with a sorrowful spirit for God to help solidify what was missing. But now, my heart rejoiceth in the Lord. My horn, my power is exalted in the Lord. My mouth is enlarged over mine enemies because I rejoice in thy salvation. There is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee. Neither is there any rock like our God. Talk no more so exceedingly proudly, but uh, let, let not arrogancy come out of your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. Now, here's the point as we close. How she promotes God for her triumph. There are seven contrasts from verses 4 to 8. Each contrast has to do with how she sees God now. The bowls of the mighty men are broken. First of all, she deals with the mighty and the weak. Because I'm promoting God, I'm no longer weak. I'm mighty. You got to see that. Verse 4 and 5, I'm no longer hungry, I'm filled. Verse 5b, I'm no longer barren, I'm given birth. I'm no longer dead, verse 6, I'm alive. I'm no longer poor, I'm rich. I'm no longer sick, I'm well, verse 7. You see, when we start giving God all of the praise, he doesn't want some of the praise. When, you, when we start promoting him for who he is, then God comes around and transforms the trouble into triumph. God will change, he will metamorphosize us to be peoples who will promote who he is. Can I get a witness? You know why the Lord has blessed you? Because he wants you to tell somebody about it. You know why the Lord keeps doing for you? Because he wants you to be a witness for his name. You know why the Lord woke you up this morning? Because there's somebody in darkness needs to hear from somebody in light. Can I get a witness? You know why the Lord is keeping you healthy? Because he wants you to serve him. And he wants you to minister to others for him. She prayed in her pain. She petitioned according to the promises. She praised and promoted Almighty God, a trust a truth and a triumph. She's a mother who's magnified. She's a woman of worship. Can I get a witness? I don't know about you, but I love the story I had. She starts low, but she ends high. 
She starts empty, but she ends full. She starts dead, but she ends alive. Can I get a witness? And that's the way it is with God. You can come to him being nothing. But when he's finished with you, when I come forth, I'll be like pure gold. Can I get a witness? I've been young. Now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Never seen a seed begging bread. Lord, put a shout in my mouth. Lord, put running in my feet. Lord, put clapping in my hands. Lord, put joy in my soul. In the able, in God able, in the able. Ah, he's able. He's an all-wise God. He's an all-powerful God. He's an all-knowing God. He's a healing God. He's Jehovah Rapha. Can I get a witness? He's El Shaddai. He's the big-breasted one. He's the Lord, my shepherd. He's El Roy. Can I get a witness? Somebody said he's able. What is he able to do? He's able to do far, exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think to the only wise God. Our Savior, won't he work it out? Won't he work it out? He'll work it out. He's worthy, worthy, worthy to be praised. Listen, Hannah was a mother of trust. She prayed in her pain. Hannah was a mother of truth. She petitioned God according to his promises. And Hannah was a mother, Lord mercy, of triumph. She promoted God in the midst of all people. And let me say this to you, mothers. We love you. We respect you. We're praying for you. Your job is not easy. It's hard being a good mother. It's hard being a loving mother, being a compassionate mother, being a caring mother, being a mother who counsels her sons and daughters. But keep on keeping on because you got the Lord on your side. Can I get a witness? Keep on blessing your children. Bless your home. Bless your husband. Bless everyone who comes in your circumference. Bless them. Trust, truth, triumph. What a woman. And Samuel went on to be the greatest prophet next to Jesus that Israel ever had. Because he had a mother who deposited in him a deep sense Listen, of devotion and dedication to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let me, let me say this before I address the mothers. Hold on. Let me say this. By my mother and father making me 
go to church every Sunday. Making me. We ain't had no options. Every Sunday. When I got away from them in the military, I party all Saturday night, half drunk. Do you know I had an unction to get up on Sunday morning and try to go to church? I wasn't even saved. But Frank, it was in me. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? Once the deposit is in you, bring up a child in the way they should go. And when they get old, they should not depart. Can I get a witness? I got two kids in college. I challenge them every Sunday, are you going to church? Are you with a Christian organization? I keep challenging them because they were raised. Are y'all getting this? Ain't no such animal where they old, they're going to do what they want. No. No. When your children get 50, did you go to church today? You ought to keep tampering with the deposit. The deposit. Did you read your Bible? The deposit that you put in them. Let's stay on our feet this morning. Is every head is bowed, every eyes closed. If you're here this morning, you want to be saved. Jesus died for your sins, was buried and rose again. Just raise your hand. Is there one? You want to be saved. You want to be born again, blood washed, blood bought, not go to hell. Or perhaps you want to join the church for your Christian experience. Raise your hand. If you want to join our church, raise your hand. We had two this morning. Is there one? Is there one? Jesus said, if you be ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Now, I want the ushers, ushers come, come on up here, babe. Bring them, bring them carnations. Come on. In fact, I want y'all to, yeah, come on up here. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Thank you, baby. Y'all stand up here. Now, these carnations are for the mothers. Amen. Can I take, I didn't do this last service. I want to call an aide, the oldest mother. 90 to 100, raise your hand. 90 to 100. Come on, come on, come on. Bring up, bring up, bring up. Bring up. Come on, bring up. She can't come. If she can't come, that's okay. Huh? Well, how'd she get there? Did y'all, did y'all bring in by a helicopter? How did, how'd she get there? Praise Jesus. All right. All right. We, all right. We'll go to her. That's 90 to 100. 80 to 90. 80 to 90. Come on up. That's it. Hallelujah. Come on. Praise Jesus. No, 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 babe. No, 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 no. Come on. No, no, no. Come on up here, babe. Come on up here. Come on up here, babe. We love you. Come on. Come on, baby. Come on. Come on, darling. Give me a kiss. Give me a kiss, baby. Give me a kiss. Give me a kiss. Come on, baby. Come on. Come on. Praise Jesus for you, honey. Let, let him stand up here. Come on. Come on, stand up here. Ain't, no, ain't nobody going to rob you. Come on. We got you, baby. All right. 70 to 80, raise your hand. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. 
Praise, praise Jesus, baby. Praise Jesus. You sure you 70 to 80? 74. What you doing up here, Sister Young? Bring your butt up here. Come on. Thank you. All right. Now, now I think we ought to. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm going to ask for your driver's license. All right. Now, the youngest mother, 15 to 18, raise your hand. The youngest mother. The youngest mother. Nobody 15 to 18? All right, 19 to 22, raise your hand. Ain't got no mothers 19 to 22? Well, tell her, come on up. Praise Jesus. Come on, come on, baby. Come on, baby, hurry up. Hurry up, the basketball game is on. Come on, hurry up. Praise Jesus. All right, come on, give her a flower. Give her a flower. All right. How old are you, honey? 21. All right. 21. 21 to 25, and that's it. All right. Praise Jesus. Let's give our mothers a hand clap. Praise Jesus. We love you. We thank God for you. Praise God. Now, hold it. Ushers. Go back to the door, and everybody that's the mother, give them a carnation. Thank you, baby. Give them a carnation. I thought you looked kind of young. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the life of Hannah, a great woman of trust, truth, and triumph. Help us, God, to do what Hannah did. Help us to learn to pray through our pain and trust you with the outcome. Bless every mother in the sound of my voice. Bless their homes. Bless, their, bless them from their hurts. Bless them, God. And those that are not mothers, bless them in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for your word, for your will and your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Mother's Day. See you Wednesday. Love you. Love you. Love you, baby.